there are so many things being attached to this that what exactly apart from this is personal and what exactly is non-personal it is blurring so much that it's going to be an interesting or fascinating period in coming next five years or ten years to see which direction we go because it's good to talk about privacy it's good to talk about protecting personal data but where do we draw the line on personal data because if uh, i draw the line very strictly in the sand everything is personal data why do i even i need to differentiate between personal and non-personal data let's talk data and protect it yeah well you know what I'm, what i'm seeing happen too here and 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 i guess that's maybe a trend for 2022 right is you're talking about about there's not a big difference between you know data connected to me and personal data, right? Mm -hmm. The laws, though, are starting to also broaden the definition of sensitive yeah. personal data, right? And broaden the definition of child, right? And, and those two types of data, children's data and sensitive personal information, often require opt-in instead of opt-out, <laughs> right? Which yeah. makes it makes it you know tougher for for companies to collect that information um and they have to do more to protect it once they have collected it so mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting um it's almost as though we're we're sort of saying instead of having to create a law that says you know uh you have to opt into all personal data collection yeah. We're instead saying, well, all this data is now sensitive, and by default, because it's sensitive data, you have to opt into it, right? Um, exactly. So it's almost like getting around that in a different way. Yeah. And another thing when I look at the privacy thing, because all the clients I work with, of course, as a contractor or a consultant or an advisor, I'm the external party, and they're usually looking for staff. But it has been a challenge, a real challenge to find good quality resources, good quality people who are fit for being in the job and being able to perform adequately. And there are two challenges. One, it's good to hard to find them. And when you find a good one, they switch very quickly. So privacy resourcing or privacy skills has also been a big challenge. Uh, what do you have to say about that perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's not really my, uh, well, I know less about that than, than you probably do, but I think it's a big problem. Um, there's not enough, not enough privacy professionals and, and, you know, there's a lot of people that are trying to hire high level or low level people. Um, either they want to hire somebody who's got like, you know, 10 years of experience in privacy, or they want to hire somebody with no levels of experience. <laughs> I think there are a lot of sort of like mid-level privacy people that are sort of floating around looking for the right position. Um, but there's there's not enough of the low-level people and not, a lot, not, a, not enough of the high-level people. Um, there's a lot of openings in, in both of those spots. Indeed. I think what the challenge has been uh, that... It has the industry has expanded so fast and the skill or the pool of skilled people has not expanded that much and then uh, then uh, there's always a shortage of good people now 
you can always find people when you uh, put in a job posting and want to interview them you get a lot of requests but filtering out good people and retaining good people has been a challenge because most of my business is around helping people strategize set the privacy program or conduct an assessment and then of course get them to privacy operations but more and more what i'm seeing is people want to work with us in privacy operations because they can't find the right people and of course it's good for my business but from a industry perspective there is where the real uh, action is if somebody wants to become truly good knowledgeable privacy professional there's a lot of opportunity over there yeah absolutely i think it's yeah. true um the only other thing that i guess i would add there is is i see a lot of people that have not you know th there's probably a lack of experience in 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 doing uh compliance work right. for for what companies are, are looking for but the people that they do have in compliance work often sort of lack a lot of the strategic vision of what's actually going on outside of this, the, the compliance work. And there's not a lot of overlap between the strategy and the compliance areas. Uh, it's hard to find people that have both. Right? Indeed. And I think the strategic perspective and even one level above looking at privacy from a business perspective and being able to articulate privacy from business perspective and then take that articulation, what you discuss with your senior executive and implement it in privacy. That's where the gap has been, but we all know that. And that's the 2022 perspective, but we'll look at 2023 or beyond. What do you see changing or what are the top things that you see changing in next 12 months or so? You know, I haven't really, probably thought about that hard enough. Um, I can see some, some, I don't know about for the job market. I have to think about that a little bit. There, mm -hmm. there is an interesting trend that, that I'm seeing in some of the research that I'm doing. And I've been, you know, that I do a lot of research on, on data yeah. brokers, right? And that doesn't seem to be any, any shortage of data brokers and, and more and more of them pop up all the time. But, mm -hmm. But adjacent to that, I've been tracking a lot of, uh, of what I call privacy agents, right? Mm -hmm. And I think you know about this, but I don't know if the, the audience will, right? And that is organizations that are trying to help consumers opt out of data brokers yeah. services, right? Uh, to sort of like help automate them submitting DSAR requests, whether it's right. information requests or, or opt out requests or do not sell requests. And there were like a couple of companies that were doing it. Now there's like 30, uh, at least 20. Um, and I'm sort of tracking them. And some of them are sort of nascent. Some of them are getting big. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them are a little annoying, <laughs> depending <laughs> on your perspective, right? Um, but there are more and more of them. And I, I find a couple of new ones every week. And so I don't know whether that means they're, the market's going to get oversaturated. Uh, or what you know some of them seem to be services that are popping up based upon data brokers sort of opening up their own sort of wing to try to i don't know to capitalize on this and some of them are you know privacy advocates trying to do really cool new stuff and some of them are you know sort of venture funded so it, they're coming from all different angles which is is really interesting um but 
everyone seems to want to get onto this privacy bandwagon <laughs> in, in this particular niche market. And I think we're going to see lots of that happening in other markets too. There's still a lot of money being invested in privacy. Um, and I see a lot of money getting invested in privacy tech as well. This is just one sort of like yeah. shoot, right? Um, probably much more getting invested in, you know, computing tech. Um, because I think that's actually more where we're going to make big strides. When I start to think about how we're going to solve a lot of these privacy problems, you know, there's legislators and there's, you know, things that we can do with business models. But I think that privacy technology is actually going to enable more of the gains that we make in consumer privacy protection than maybe either of those other two things, right? Absolutely. And I think one is the rise of the privacy tech, the rise of privacy investments, also maybe more jobs. But I will also imagine more intersection with other things because when the privacy came in, people said, let's set up a privacy department. When AI came in, they said, let's set up an AI department. But I'm expecting some consolidation on those things also because people would like to put these as strategic differentiators and rather than as a, uh, just separate functions so a lot of overlap and collaboration amongst these uh, data function privacy function compliance function or ai function and so on but maybe that will not happen in 2023 uh, the other thing is of course there will be few more laws i hope uh, uk will get through with some direction on which direction they want to go. The uh, EU-US uh, adequacy will come through. I also hope India decides on which direction they want to go because they've been talking for a few years on the data protection bill or personal data protection bill and it has pivoted, shifted a bit. And uh, I think uh, we will still continue to talk about cookies. I don't expect it to be solved, but that will be on the wish list if it gets solved this year. Yeah, I think I think that we're going to have to deal with with this this uh, consent spam issue. Yeah, um, and eventually we're going to have to deal with the whole notice and consent framework. True. You know, it, it's not it's not working, right? We have to figure out some way to either fix it or or go a different direction. Um, I think that consent has to play a part in the solution, but. We have to fix the consent framework because it's just not working the way it's working. No, you can't. You can't continue to to click yes. It's not just a binary yes or no e equation. When that question that you're asking a consumer is a complicated one that they don't understand all the all the pieces of right. When I walk, when I go to Facebook and they ask me if they can share my information in return for what I'm getting from them. That's mm -hmm. a really complicated question. And, and it's either just a yes or a no. <laughs> and then it's hard to change that 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 decision, right? It has to be more than just a binary decision that I make once and can't easily change again. I think so. And I, I've seen in some cases, I won't name, uh, but on some websites you are there and it sends you some personalized information and saying, would you like us to send you this kind of information in future? And by the way, you can change it in the settings later on if you want. 
and you say yes and then it will show you that personalized but you have had an experience and it's contextual then and then also the option of opting in and even changing it later on of course it's very hard to find a way to change later on i yeah. agree but that would be the right way to do it so practically speaking would you expect something magical transformative or radically different in 2023 uh -huh. no i think we'll probably have some surprises you know i think there'll be some law or laws that pop up that uh, mm -hmm. that that are interesting um, I, I'm not going to speculate on where or when, but uh, we'll have some interesting things that'll pop up that'll that'll surprise us. We'll probably have some some big fines uh, and some big data breaches that'll scare the crap out of us, mm -hmm. um, or scare the crap out of some companies. But I don't really expect that we're going to have significant changes in data privacy that really change the landscape. Um, at least, you know, it, it's going to be incremental change overall, right? We might, we might say, wow, you know, this is going to be groundbreaking, but you know, we thought when, when Clearview, that Clearview AI settlement happened, right? Everybody's like, mm -hmm. wow, right? Mm -hmm. but what, what did it really change? Did it really change all that much? You know, so I'm, think not sure. I'm not sure. We'll have a good conversation in 2024 because I think if the UK data protection uh, changes or regular uh, landscape changes as they want to change, that may set the scene for some things to change in future because they have having some, I mean, from one perspective, they are saying the same thing and uh, without having it obligatory. But on the other hand, they are putting the accountability on the organization a little bit more than what it is right now. So if that goes through, I think it can be transformative, but that's then we know in 2024 when we've gone through 23 so that already sets us that we will probably have another episode looking back and looking forward but at this moment i would say jeff as always wonderful to have a conversation with you free-flowing and truly a conversation so thank you so much take care it was wonderful chatting punit thanks for listening if you liked the show, feel free to share it with a friend and write a review. If you have already done so, thank you so much. And if you did not like the show, don't bother and forget about it. Take care and stay safe. Fit for Privacy helps you to create a culture of privacy and manage risks by creating, defining, and implementing a privacy strategy that includes delivering scenario-based training for your staff. We also help those who are looking to get certified in CIPPE, CIPM, and CIPT through on-demand courses that help you prepare and practice for certification exam. Want to know more? Visit www.fitforprivacy.com. That's www.fit4privacy.com. If you have questions or suggestions, drop an email at Hello at fitforprivacy.com. Until next time, goodbye.